all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. I said I realized the I realized a couple weeks ago that like none of the podcasts I like or listen to have an opening that sounds like it's from the Dick Cavett show. I love that you know the theme song to the Dick Cavett show. I, I I was just making that up as I was going along. I don't think that's a theme song to anything. I was just going with like generic opening talk show, like seventies talk show theme vibes. <laughs> From my exclusive knowledge and watch history of such programs. There's a lot of Dick Cavett clips on YouTube, actually. For whatever reason. There's a lot of Dick Cavett. There's a lot of William F. Buckley. Oh, good. <laughs> Thank God that's been preserved. Yeah, um, for a while, don't ask me why I know this, uh, with a Prime subscription, you could watch the entire run of the William F. Buckley like talk show. Like, the whole thing was up there, all 20, 30 years of it, or whatever it was. Did it come with, like, a free subscription to National Review or something? Like... <laughs> yeah, but only... Uh, but they made you read, like, his denunciation of the John Birch Society first, uh, before you got into the modern National Review. Um, wow. I'm aging this podcast even more as we go along. We're a youth uh, media company. Let's talk, about, let's talk more company. about William F. Buckley. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is Cyber. I'm Matthew Galt. And I'm Emily Lipstein. We're here with Aaron Gordon. We're going to talk about ostensibly crime. Uh, but I don't know. I think we need to get some energy out first <laughs> with some more William F. Buckley jokes. We could talk about crime and William F. Buckley. Are the two related? That's what I want to know. That's what America wants to know. Is William F. Buckley doing the crimes? William F. Buckley has been stealing thousands of cars in Milwaukee in 2021. You know, crazier things have happened. I'm trying to like, I don't have the, I have a William F. Buckley impression. Uh, I don't have the energy. (laughs) Kind of like, you have to jut your jaw a little bit and kind of lean back. (laughs) It helps if you have a clipboard. You also Um, have to do the accent that absolutely no human being has, unless he's trying to act extra pretentious. That kind of (laughs) fake patrician accent that he did, yes. Yeah, the dude's from Maryland, isn't he? Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, it's great because he talks like a character from a movie. He's got like a weird transatlantic accent, which is like not a real accent. Yeah. Right. It's, it's one that Hollywood invented for people to have. For evil people to have. For evil people to have. Yeah. And anybody like who's perfect. trying to exploit child, you know, laborers. Hey, Sonny. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm bringing a different energy to the show today. I'm full of cold medicine. Um, my allergies are wrecking me. I've got no idea what temperature it is outside because I'm both hot and cold. Damn. Are you sure you have allergies and not not like an actual virus of some kind? No, I, I this is uh, the first year I moved here, South Carolina from Texas. Um, I straight up thought like when fall rolled around, I was like, oh, I've got the flu. Uh, I feel terrible. And I started taking allergy meds and it cleared cleared up pretty good. Uh, now I'm used to the allergy meds. Um, so the pain of the fall season is just creeping in a little bit more every year. 
That's what Big Zyrtec will do to you. That is indeed what Big Zyrtec will do to you. Maybe I should switch back because I'm on Allegra now. Maybe that's what I need to do. Start titrating off of one and go on to the other. That's what I've heard. You have to kind of like switch back and forth in order for them to like continue being effective. That may be what I need to do. I was also on for a while. I know this is riveting podcast audio. Do you know what uh, like Dimista is? No. Is, uh, it's like an over, it's a prescription hardcore nasal spray uh, that just like, it's the way that I'm sure this is not accurate, but the way the doctor described it to me was, was, it was like, well, we just took up all of the antihistamines. We put them together in one bottle and had a little steroid. Ooh, that's and what it, I want. Uh, yeah, it's real good. It works. Works like a charm. That's right. But, the, the super came over this morning and had to like fix a, a light fixture in my apartment. And when he left, I realized I was still wearing my uh, nasal strip that I put on at night um, in order to be able to breathe. So that was that was a very very fun interaction. So that does work. The nasal strip. I've always thought about that. They work great because I definitely have a deviated septum, but. I am not currently trying to pay thousands of dollars to breathe potentially marginally better. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the, one of the fun things about a surgery, right? is like, there's always a chance that you go through all the body trauma and then nothing is better. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> <sighs> How's your fall, Aaron? What fall? Oh, you mean the <laughs> season? Oh, uh, it's, I mean, it's been nice out, you know, seen some good birds. But uh, well, we are <laughs> having you on the show today to talk about this. Have you done how many stories have you done on this now? It's been four or five, right? Yeah, it's been been a handful. Uh, it's a classic crime caper uh, in the motherboard mode about the Kia boys, uh, which is just I keep uh, I know that this is like a, a, a stale meme now, but every time I read that, I think about the Island Boys. Um. Which are, you know, delightful and terrible and horrifying miscreants that, that annoyed us all on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, not unlike the Kia boys. Uh, what is going on here? What is a Kia boy exactly? Yeah, I wish they had a different name because it's kind of annoying to refer to them as Kia boys in like mm -hmm. official news articles when it's just like a moniker that they've kind of uh unofficially given themselves through their account names on social media but like we've just all accepted that that is what they're called because we don't feel like typing out the whole explanation every single time uh <laughs> but yeah so the kia boys refers to um a combination of in real life and online subculture dedicated to stealing and then posting videos showing off the stolen cars of kia and also hyundai um there isn't really a hyundai boys trend but they also steal hyundais kia and hyundai are owned by the same parent company um so so they're they are essentially the same cars in almost every respect just with different brands um and yeah the the trend started because someone uh some enterprising individual discovered that 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 um a high percentage of Kias and Hyundais, especially the lower end models manufactured from 2010 through 2021, uh, are incredibly easy to steal. Um, you can do it very quickly and with no 
more tools than a screwdriver and a USB cord. Uh, and people who are adept at it can steal these cars in well under a minute, sometimes in about 30 seconds. Uh, and so, the, yeah, the, it's, uh, so the Kia boys trend is basically referring to, um, the accounts and the people behind the accounts who post videos showing them like driving around very erratically in these stolen cars. Uh, it's usually set to rap music. There's actually a Kia boys song that has, that no. they often set the music to. Yeah, it's true. Um, and, and, uh, and sometimes the videos show how to steal the cars, and sometimes the videos show the actual act of stealing the cars. Yeah, my favorite variation on the meme that I saw today when I was looking on Instagram is uh, Kia owners. Kia owners hate this one weird trick. It's just like a picture <laughs> of someone holding a screwdriver and a USB cord, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, there's like a, a spinoff subgenre of social media posts of people just like trying to get the Kia boys traffic without actually stealing any cars, where they just like kind of explain what's happening. Even though, like, the entire thing that's happening is you can just go on other accounts and watch it happening. So, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. just, it's all very, it's all very bizarre. Um, but I guess it's better to watch videos of people not stealing cars than videos of people stealing cars. But it, it, is it? I mean, we'll get into the <laughs> that whole social media phenomenon in general. Uh, but I kind of want some more of, like, the basic stuff, the basic juice here. So, like, what does it look like to steal one of these cars? Like, you know, without giving me a tutorial. I was going to say, do you uh, want me to demonstrate? There's a Kia parked on my block outside. I could just. Go I mean, steal that would be quick. great. I would love that personally. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We could record you doing crime. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Motherboard does crimes is the new series. <laughs> what it? I mean, what it looks like in practice is, uh, I think it would probably be safest to describe this from a from the perspective of someone who has their car stolen, which one of my right. articles was about. Because um, ultimately, they're the they're the real people suffering from this and the victims, and and it's you know we're we're joking around, but it's very very serious to have your car stolen no no less multiple times. And because it's happening in such huge numbers, a lot of people can't have their cars like repaired and fixed and given back to them in a timely fashion because there's a backlog of the broken parts um, or the replacement parts. So, you know, they end up being without cars for months at a time and having to pay mm-hmm. thousands of dollars, which some people can't afford. You know, so it's like it's it's no joke. It's, it is a very serious problem. Um, what it actually looks like you know, is people usually go to get in their car in the morning and find it's gone. They find broken glass on the ground. And then uh, either the car will be recovered, you know, within the next couple of days out of gas, vandalized um, with the steering column ripped open. And there being like usually some degree of cosmetic damage. It varies from like light scratches to being like absolutely just just battered and totaled um and the rear window is almost always broken the rear window on the driver's side and the reason for that is these cars do have an anti-theft system but uh like like a car alarm but the car alarm will only go off if uh someone breaks the driver's window if you break the rear window right behind it the alarm does not go off so wait uh, really yes really um, so that's why they break the w- rear windows. At first, I've talked to I've talked to a bunch of people who had their cars stolen, and the cops are like, "Very odd that they broke your rear window." And it's like, "Well, that's why." Um, 
they know that the if you break the front window, the alarm goes off. But if you break the rear window, it doesn't. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much what steering the car, stealing the car looks like. I mean, when you watch the tutorial videos, um, it's pretty straightforward. Like they just they use a screwdriver. They use the um, the uh, USB cord is to like basically act as a as a like temporary key to turn the ignition um, the same way you would with an actual key. That's what the USB cord is for. Um, and that's it. It takes, if you know what you're doing, it, it really does take like 10, 20, 30, 20 or 30 seconds for sure. So are they using a, um, like a, is there something on the, like a USB stick that they're uploading into the car? It's just no. literally, it's just literally leverage. It's just literally mechanical leverage and a mm-hmm. USB cord is something that everybody has. So it's just a very easy thing to, to use, but yeah, it's, there's no, it, there's no, there's no like hacking or digital element to this like it is as it is as unsophisticated a hot wiring as you can possibly imagine like it's just shattering a window brute force breaking over this open the steering column and using like a thing to leverage the ignition switch on that's it so why is it just like kia and hyundai's that are seeing or are Kia and Hyundai specifically seeing this increase, or is it just like an increase in car thefts across the board? Because you, you, you're making it very clear that it's like, you know, specifically these car brands. Yes, great question. The answer is it is almost just these two car brands. And there's a very clear reason for it, which I'll get to in a second. But first, I want to say how we know this. Um, so I've filed more than 130 public records requests with police departments around the country. Uh, and I've gotten back data from more than 50 of them at this point. Um, and I get more every week. I update my original story every Friday with new data. And so, you know, I have a pretty decent and increasingly better picture of Kia Hyundai thefts per city per month, and then also total vehicle thefts per city per month. And what I've seen almost across the board with very, very few exceptions is that for a while starting in, you know, I asked for data starting in December 2019. So like just before the pandemic started. And for a while, you see vehicle thefts like relatively stable. And then all of a sudden, there will be an increase in Kia Hyundai thefts and in overall vehicle thefts. But when you remove Kia Hyundai's from the data and you so you're looking at vehicle thefts from all other manufacturers thefts remain pretty much stable, like within Mm. a pretty narrow band of thefts. So for example, in Milwaukee, which is the first city to get hit really, really hard by the Kia boys trend, um, they had like usually between 20 and 40 stolen Kias reported per month and until uh, late 2020. And then in late 2020, November, November of 2020, they had 206 stolen Kias. By uh, January of that year, they had 500 a month. And by July of 2021, so about uh, a year, a little under a year after it started, they had 824 stolen Kias that month. So they went from like literally between 20 and 40 stolen Kias a month to 800 in less than a year. Um, and during that time, vehicle thefts for all other vehicles stayed between a pretty consistent band of 200 to 300 stolen vehicles a month. 
So this isn't a case. So like, just to put that in perspective, like <laughs> Kia's, I, I know it's a lot of numbers I'm throwing out here, but like Kia's went from being an absolutely tiny proportion of stolen vehicles in Milwaukee to making up almost three quarters of all stolen vehicles in Milwaukee. And, uh, <laughs> how do I, uh, I'm trying to put this math and in, into words that make sense. Not only did they become three quarters of all stolen vehicles in Milwaukee, but there were also more than twice as many stolen Kias and Hyundais in July of 2021 in Milwaukee that they would have expected of all sto- to have all God, I can't explain this. Um, <laughs> it's hard. I think to- your, your, your piece said something like um, there's 7% of the population of cars. Yeah. But an overwhelming majority of all stolen cars. Yeah. So like what like, I'm trying to get across is that like, not only are they, did they become a majority of stolen cars, but because the overall number of stolen cars increased so much because of the increase in Kia Hyundai thefts, there mm. were more Kias and Hyundais stolen in July, 2021 in Milwaukee than we would have expected there to be of all stolen cars in Milwaukee that year by any manufacturer under normal circumstances. Um, it's easiest if you, if you go to the articles, look at the graphs, it's like very, very clear. Um, but anyways, the, the point being that like, these are not vehicle. Th- it's not like the people who stole cars before are saying, Oh good. We can like go easily steal these other cars. And so they're just and so like in this, if that was the case, you'd expect to see the overall number of stolen cars stay relatively flat. Like people just stealing different cars. But that's not what mm-hmm. we're seeing at all. We're seeing a huge increase in the overall number of stolen cars, almost entirely explained by the increase in Kia Hyundai thefts. So why? Why? Okay. Why Kia Hyundai? Right. Um, so the the reason for that is Kia and Hyundai are the only two manufacturers in the U.S. who during this time did not put a basic anti-theft technology in their lower model cars, like the cheaper cars, um, even though virtually every other automaker did this because they're so uh because they've so reliably proven to reduce theft rates um so this technology they're called engine immobilizers and they're mandated in canada and europe 100 percent of kia and hyundai's cars sold in canada have engine immobilizers but hold on i have a i have a statistic um that i wanted to share um so uh, cars with uh, electronic immobilizers, like the kind we're talking about, are generally 25 times less likely to be stolen than cars without them. And this was, but this was from a study that was taking place before the key, the Kia boys trend started. Um, there are just like it's it's an incredibly effective anti theft technology and incredibly cheap to install. What it is is basically. Um, it's an electronic signature inside your key that um, gets recognized by the uh, by the drivetrain, by parts within the drivetrain, so that if the electronic signature in your key, the signature um, unique to that key in that vehicle is not recognized, 
the engine won't start. It'll automatically lock it. Um, without that, without that kind of technology, you can basically brute force and heart and, you know, hotwire a car, right? Um, hold on. Let me, let me find this statistic I've been looking, f- looking for. Uh, in 2015, 96% of U.S. of vehicles sold in U- the U.S. by other manufacturers had engine immobilizers, but only about 20% of Kias and Hyundais did. Um, and th- so they were very much an industry outlier. And that's essentially why they're easy to steal, because they're the only vehicles routinely sold in the U.S. that don't have this basic anti-theft technology. So the other part of why is why these models are being stolen by the people they're being stolen by. Because it sounds what you're making it sound like is that it's not as if they're being stolen and driven to chop shops. Right. There's not a, a robust aftermarket for Kia and Hyundai parts. Right. So uh, the other aspect of why this is happening is gets to like the back to the Kia boys element of this, which is that it has a kind of a viral trend situation going to it. Um, So as far as we know, and I say that because um, arrest rates for these types of crimes are extremely low, but as far as we know, these crimes seem to be committed mostly by boys, like literal boys, like underage juveniles um we like when when people are caught and arrested for this or frankly more commonly when they commit a violent crime while in a stolen car and so we learned later that they had stolen the car you know to in in order to commit these crimes using a, a car that can't be traced to them or if they get into a terrible crash while driving you know trying to film these videos and stuff um, during those times, we learn that like often these drivers, these thieves are teenagers, um, teenage boys. And it seems like the the main, you know, by and large, the purpose of these thefts is to steal the car, show off stealing the car and driving the car around like an idiot and just basically go on joy rides in these cars until the car runs out of gas and then to abandon it or just generally abandon it, you know, whenever. Um, that's, and then, and then filming the whole endeavor, posting videos of it online, gaining followers and whatnot. Um, that seems to be the main, the main purpose of the trend. I'm sorry, but like, I don't think, I I feel like such a boomer, even, even saying this, but I'm like, okay, you're, you're going to make like a fun, cool video pretending that you're in like GTA in like a Kia soul. (laughs) <laughs> like that's your hot rod. Yeah, the souls are actually really popular to steal, and I can't tell if it's because they like look weird, or if you know because they're like a giant box. Everybody or, saw the hamster commercial. Yeah, exactly. Or if like uh, they're just very distinctive, so you like it's easy to tell that it's a soul versus like you know a Kia Forte looks a lot like other cars, you know, for right. example. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's like. It is definitely a bit um, ironic that, you know, a lot of these cars are like 
pretty slow, pretty underpowered, pretty goofy. And like, you know, yeah, they're like doing joy rides on it, like gunning down streets and trying to like do fancy tricks on them and stuff and power slides and whatever. And it's like, you're in a Kia Rio, sir, you know? <laughs> yeah. But once you knock out that back window and you're blaring some music and you and your boys are in the cul-de-sac and you're spinning it around. There's an energy to that. That feels good. Surely you must have done some things that you regret when you were a teenage boy. I was just going to say it kind of like, you know, when you think about the weird, not, you know, perhaps criminal, perhaps not trends that you were into as a teen. It's like you think about them as adults and you're like, that was just like insanely, like just stupid, like just silly, just why did we think that was cool? You know, all that, like you ask yourselves all those same questions. And I think, I think to some extent like that, that applies here too. like even taking out the criminal activity of it. It's like, yeah. Like one of the things you see very commonly in the videos is the kids just like not even weaving, but just like waggling the steering wheel, you know, just like doing like quarter turns while driving at speed. And it's like one it doesn't even look interesting from the outside if you're an observer. Like, it just looks like the car is, like, tipping slightly. And if you're in the car, it's like, okay, you're waggling the car a little bit. Like, congratulations. I don't know. It's just, like, it very it very distinctively reminds me of, like, just the dumb shit that teens do, you know? And it's, like, I'm sure they have some, like, some, like, secret, not secret, but some, like, some, like, uh, how do I put this? I'm sure they have some kind of like ranking system for like what makes the best waggle of the steering wheel or whatever. But like, I don't know. It's it's all very it's all very weird. This might be a little bit in the weeds, but you were saying that these are like mostly teens that are doing this. Do we know if like any of them have their driver's licenses or is it just like like are these like older teens or are these younger teens or is it hard to tell? It's hard to tell. And because the arrest rates are so low, like we just have no idea. I mean, like the, the stories that make the news are usually when they're too young to have their licenses and they steal the cars. Um, okay. Which definitely, you know, it ha- it's happening for sure. But like, I have no idea whether those are exceptions or whether we think or whether like it is mostly like 14, 15 year olds. My guess based on watching these videos is I think the major, I think most of them are like probably in the 15 to 17 range. Like that would be my guess, but it's, it's kind of hard to say, but you do see like, you know, in the videos, you can see like people's general like size, like, you know, and I would be shocked if it's like mostly like 13 year olds based on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a a youthful energy to all of the videos I've seen. It's all, you know, and I certainly haven't watched all, but there's a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, it's all young. It's all young men. It's yeah. all adolescents. Boys, I think is a good, is a good word. Um, so can you tell me about, I mean, there's so many other things to talk about here. Let's do the lawsuit first, or should I say the several lawsuits? Yeah. So I think one thing that's important to get across is like the scale of these thefts is just mind boggling. Um, You know, when we talk about, I I already mentioned Milwaukee, but like when we talk about crime surges, generally speaking, 
um, it's a big deal if crimes are going up 20, 30, 40%. Like that would constitute an epic crime surge within a year or two. Um, when we were talking about like murder rates surging in the US during the pandemic, a lot of times that was based on like 20% increases in murder rates in specific cities, you know, like that kind of thing. What we're seeing here with stolen cars is the number of stolen cars increasing 200, 300, 400%. We're seeing the rates of Kias and Hyundais being stolen increasing by literally thousands of percent. I mean, the the losses here in terms of like insurance losses are are huge. Um, you know, Chicago went from having fewer than a hundred Kias stolen, Kias and Hyundai's stolen per month to literally 1400 stolen at the in one month at the peak of its of its uh surge in October 2022. Like the the numbers are just absolutely staggering. Um so yes, this resulted in lawsuits. Um the <laughs> the two main tracks of lawsuits are, you know, one is exactly who you'd expect to be from, right? Owners of Kias and Hyundai's filed a class action lawsuit against Kia and Hyundai um basically for you know negligence and damages because they didn't install the immobilizers and having the vehicles stolen at higher rates was entirely foreseeable as a result of that um that was provisionally that that lawsuit was provisionally settled for about 200 million dollars but it has not yet been approved by a judge um partly as a result of ongoing law of of uh litigation that's being uh partly as a result of stuff that's going on in other lawsuits so one of the other lawsuits being filed is actually by 17 cities against kia and hyundai um and this is i think the most interesting lawsuit because uh what these cities are arguing essentially is that the number of vehicle thefts has so overwhelmed the city's policing resources that they can no they can't effectively manage the problem. Um they can't effectively police other things. They have to spend too much of their time dealing with this massive increase in stolen vehicles. Their resources are being overwhelmed. Um and so they're suing under public nuisance laws, which covers this which ostensibly covers this type of thing that you can't like essentially create uh that they've created a public nuisance basically and are forcing taxpayers to cover the bills for what is essentially a corporate mistake um incidentally it's the same legal argument that state health departments of health have used to sue opioid manufacturers for the public health crisis related to opioid overdoses and it's also the same legal argument that uh public health authorities have used to sue um vaping companies because of uh un- problems associated with underage vaping so both and and i will say that, that uh both of those other lawsuit tracks have been so far successful um in, under public nuisance law so those cases are still essentially ongoing as a result and then the third lawsuit which is a bit more straightforward is the insurance companies have filed a class action lawsuit of their own against Kia and Hyundai because insurance losses are going through the roof as well. The insurance angle is something that we could uh, maybe talk about later. So those are the those are the main lawsuits against Kia and Hyundai. Um, and Kia and Hyundai's arguments, defense essentially in these cases, 
is that it's not their fault. <laughs> they say, yeah, shocking, I know. They say um, that this is, hold on, I actually, I actually want to pull up the exact phrase because it's- good. Yeah, I'm sure it's something ridiculous. So their they're like first their first major filing in the lawsuit against the cities said uh had a section heading titled Social Media and Intervening Third Party Criminals Caused an Unprecedented Increase in Theft. And then there are other like statements in there basically saying that like social media incited unprecedented rise in thefts and so on and so forth. So essentially they're blaming social media companies, TikTok and Instagram specifically, because their argument is this would never be a massive viral trend if not for the social media companies. And that is why cities are being overwhelmed uh, with the problem. So it's not their fault that they didn't install this little bit of technology that is you know relatively inexpensive and in their other models it's the internet's fault that's right um their their argument is basically that they complied with all uh regulations and laws around anti-theft technology they did not violate any of the federal federal motor vehicle safety standards um and so how can they possibly be held responsible for all of this stuff going on you know, and they even had a section in in their defense that, like, subtly but also not so subtly, basically blamed cities for not being able to police themselves properly. Essentially, um, the argument was basically that, um, you know, you've like some of these cities have changed um, bail laws, especially around uh, juvenile offenders. And they also do not solve most of these crimes. And it's surely not Kia's and Hyundai, Kia's and Hyundai's fault that, um, you know, the police in Chicago or whatever can't get their shit together and arrest a bunch of teens who are stealing lots of cars, um, is essentially what their argument was. That's kind of incredible, right? That's just like an incredible response to a very, to a, a problem that seems to have a very simple solution. How much, do we know how much these uh, engine immobilizers cost? It depends on exactly how they're implemented, but it's it's much less than $100, usually less than $50. Um, to say that they're a rounding error in the overall cost of a car is, I think, a wild overstatement of how much they cost. <laughs> I'm also thinking about like, like, okay, breaking into the back window of this car because they know that it's not going to be alarmed to then do the very easy thing with a USB cable, not to even upload anything, but just to like turn a switch basically. And it's social media's fault. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, it's it's interesting because it does make you, I mean, I, I think it's kind of interesting from an intellectual standpoint because it like makes you step back and think like, okay. Um, let's say social media didn't exist or the internet didn't exist. Could this theft trend still have taken off? And yeah. And uh, to me, it seems pretty obvious that the answer is yes. And I think one of the most compelling bits of evidence I have to support that is there's really no evidence when I look at the data that we've gotten on city by city vehicle theft. So one of the reasons I really wanted this granular data is because I wanted to track this trend across the country as it spread. And 
one of the interesting things I found is that there's not really any great evidence that like they're all getting it at exactly the same time. It really seems like they're pretty geographically isolated trends. And if that's the case, then I don't see why it's necessary for social media to exist to fan the flames. It seems like this is mostly a thing that takes off amongst people and their friends, like their local friend groups, you know? And so if that's the case, like, okay, they're spreading the news via the way that they talk about everything, you know, like this is how people communicate. But like, you know, if social media didn't exist, they'd be calling up each other and telling them how to do it. You know, it's just like, I don't really like, I, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's blaming the medium and not the message and not the like very technical real world reasons why they're able to do this. That's kind of like my, my interpretation of what's going on here. Right. The way that crime, like the way that bragging about crime works on social media is that there are outside viewers, but it's meant for regional consumption, right? Like you film or you film a disc video about a rival that, lives up the street, not that's two cities over. Right. 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 And that's what, that's what we see with these accounts too, because, um, a lot of them, when they start off and they're just sharing, like, what's the, what's the, sorry, let me back up. That's what we're seeing with these accounts too. Like one of the ways that they denote themselves when they create the accounts is it has the term Kia boys in it. But the only other piece of information in the account is the area code associated with that region. So it's like, you know, if you're in, if you're in New York, you go with 212 Kia boys. And then everything is like a derivative of that. Maybe you add like a period or a dash or like another letter or symbol or whatever, but it's 212 Kia boys. So it's like it, it's all regional and geographic tied. So if so, it's like. I don't know if that's the case, like, how can you really blame social media for it if everyone's just, you know, talking to their friends and about their friends and, and communicating with their peer groups, their their local peer groups? So can we talk a little bit more about the social media angle on this? I know that you published something just today on this where you talked to – did you talk to Meta? I spoke to a Meta spokesperson, Yes. How like how did that go? What's their response? What you know? What does a meta spokesperson say when once again they are accused of being the vector by which crime flows? Um, so I will say that generally speaking, the approach of social media companies when you when you reach out to them as a reporter, they all do the exact same thing. Uh, you email them a detailed list of questions or you know details about your story, and they send you a very polite email back um, asking to have a phone call on background or off the record. And they usually use these two terms interchangeably, even though they're not. Um, And then you have a phone call with them. And I'm not going to go into too many details about that because I have agreed to go off the record in some circumstances with them. Um, Maybe I shouldn't, but I do anyways. Um, But I like to, you know, explain the story as as thoroughly as I can to them, because I very much believe as a reporter that, um, there should be no surprises for the companies or the people that you're writing about. They should know exactly what you're planning to say so that they can, you know, provide you any information that they think is relevant or any statement that they wish to address those, those claims. Um, 
But they they tend to always ask the exact same questions. I'll just say that. Like no matter what company you're reaching out to, like they ask you the exact same questions about the story you're writing. Uh, and so the meta spokesperson then sent me a statement that basically said um, he linked to a Facebook policy against theft um, or depicting theft or encouraging theft and said that Kia boys accounts violate their terms and, you know, that policy. And so they will take them down if flagged. Um, and my response to them, which they they did not reply to before publication time, was okay, that's all well and good, but that's a Facebook policy. It's First of all, it's not on Instagram's community guidelines or terms of use, which have no policies regarding theft or encouragement of theft or property crimes of any kind, except referring to selling goods, illegal or stolen or otherwise. Um, moreover, and I think this is the, the most important point, if you go to report one of these accounts on Instagram, there is no option to select something like, you know, showing how to commit theft, showing theft, showing off stolen property, encouraging the like there's there's no way to report this. And so for the story I published today, I spoke to a woman who after her car got stolen, her Kia got stolen and was, um, you know, like uh, shown some of these accounts on Instagram, kind of like made it her her crusade to like get these accounts taken down so that like her friends around the area wouldn't get, have their cars stolen too. She report, she filed, she estimates around 500 reports with Instagram and they, all of them were, were rejected. Uh, not a single, yeah. not a single one was taken down. I mean, these platforms are not good about, you know, acting swiftly about taking posts down that are like, you know, hate speech. You know, I, I, I'm not like, unfortunately, I'm not shocked that they're going to, you know, not be super fast to act about, you know, a 15 year old driving a Kia Soul and, you know, jiggling the wheel a little bit. Um, not to unless, say that it's not like a big issue, but yeah. unless it is a reporter who emails them, because oh. I will say that um one of the accounts that this woman had been reporting and encouraging others to report for months and it had more than 11,000 followers and was um, posting regularly, always getting rejected, not getting taken down. I emailed Meta about it on um, Friday. And over the weekend, the account was taken down. All right, Cyber listeners, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. All right, welcome back, cyber listeners. We are back on with Aaron Gordon. Emily, maybe you can give me some insight on this. Uh, maybe this is a bigger question than this conversation. But why is it uh, that if, say, you're an open source intelligence investigator with some credibility, you're tracking an like an ongoing conflict zone, uh, and you are posting about it on Instagram? Often, uh, you know, I've got several of these people that are my friends. Their flat, their accounts will get automatically flagged. 
uh, and will like just kind of be destroyed and they'll have to start over. But 15 year old boys stealing Kia's and bragging about it on, on Instagram doesn't seem to get a lot of quick traction. That's, that's an amazing question. And one that I can only speculate on from both working in social media, being a journalist and also like using social media in my personal life. I mean, the polit, like, all of these social media companies, for worse, are black boxes when it comes to policies and the decisions that they make. Um, when it comes to harmful content in in the you know realm of animal torture, um, photos of abuse, violence, etc., you have people that whose job it is to watch this content and make you know flag it. But stuff that's not, you know, immediately like, okay, this is obviously someone, you know, getting murdered or something like that. It's not going to be flagged immediately. Like, I don't, it's so hard to say. And and I know that that's such a shitty answer. But it's, that's part of what's so frustrating about working in, in socials to go on like a slight tangent for a second. Like, I constantly have to deal with, you know, when I make videos for TikTok and for Instagram and whatever, making decisions about what I need to censor based on a vibe check, just like assumptions and hoping. Um, And then when I will ask TikTok about, hey, you know, this video didn't get a lot of views. Like, is it because it's about X, Y, and Z? And they're like, well, we don't have any policies that are specifically going to limit you know, the reach of certain videos because of topics, maybe your audience just doesn't care. And I'm like, I I think that you're, I think that you're doing something here. Like, you're never going to admit to me that you're doing something here, but we're all like, let, let's, let's be real for, for a second. We're all smart people here. Like, this is, it's, it's just, it gets ridiculous to the point where it feels very, like you're looking into the void and nothing is staring back at you, which I'm sure that these people like the, the woman in your story absolutely has to deal with and like has far more serious repercussions than me, which is, you know, this is just my job. It's not my car. It's not my money. Well, I mean, I think, I think what you're talking about is quite serious and I'll tell you why I think it's a really pernicious force because like when when the social media companies tell you maybe maybe your audience just doesn't care about this and it's like okay we 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 suspect that is bullshit but there's also nothing we can do about it and then yeah. when our bosses or our bosses bosses are looking at metrics on our stories or social videos or whatever and they're seeing that these particular videos just do dog shit traffic or get get absolutely no views it's like Emily, what 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 topics are these videos about? Uh, oh well, let's take a quick look um, while we're here. <laughs> um, uh, so, recent Tim Ballard stories have been getting very low traffic, probably because it's about lawsuits about him allegedly being a creep. Um, okay, well, hold he... on. That, that's a great example. I mean, so let's say, look, these stories are about a guy who was. Uh, they made a movie about this guy, about you know, a fictionalized version about the uh, a, a movie about this guy, about how how 
what a basic basically what a saint he is i guess like or whatever and it's like we have colleagues who have been doing absolutely incredible reporting about how not only did that movie depict an essentially fictionalized version of him but that he and his organization um have been credibly accused of being sex traffickers themselves and it's like now our bosses are looking at, you know, the views that these stories get and being like, nobody cares. And it's like, well, is it true that nobody cares that this incredibly famous and popular guy is, you know, being credibly accused of running an organization that does the exact things that they're supposedly trying to fight? Like, is that what people don't care about? Or is it that, you know, there's some kind of hidden content moderation going on? Um, these are important questions. No, they they are important questions. And that's not even to mention like the throttling we're experience over on TikTok uh, regarding a reporting on, you know, the conflict in Gaza. So it's like, that's also receiving no views. And it's hard to tell. It's like, is this being flagged because it is graphic content, which it is? Or is it being, you know, and, and they will never say it's being flagged or not being shown to people. But then you'll say, huh, this isn't eligible for the For You page. Yeah. No explanation. And it's like, there's just no, there's no credible line of argument that says people don't care about this. Like it is literally the most, the most important and like, I don't know, you go to the, you go to the homepage of any major newspaper in the world right now. And the major stories are all about the Gaza, the Israel Hamas war. That's literally, that's like it. That's the the homepage on every single major newspaper in the country. And yet when you try and like publish your stories on social media, they don't get the views. And they're, and it's like, it's just not credible to argue that maybe your audience doesn't care about this. Yeah. The thing that I used to joke about is like, you know, my boss isn't my boss. Jack Dorsey is my boss. Mark Zuckerberg is my boss, et cetera. So I guess, you know, congrats to Elon Musk, who is now my boss. And, you know, all all those guys. I mean, and to bring it back to Kia Hyundai for a bit, like, you know, we published a story today that like, you know, if you if you look at the headlines related to this trend, they're always associated with TikTok. TikTok is the brand is the social media brand that was getting blamed for this. Um, first and foremost, usually the news stories don't even mention Instagram. But if you go on the two social platforms today and you try and find Kia Kia Boy's accounts it's pretty it's not like they they exist on tiktok but they tend to have very few followers because the ikea boys have to cycle through accounts constantly because they're getting shut down pretty easily part of this is there's a very easy way to report those accounts and a very and it's very easy to tell if these accounts are kia boys accounts because they're literally called kia boys whereas you try and do this on instagram and it's impossible you report the story. There's no fitting. There's no category that you can report it under. And it almost never actually gets to a human review. It's usually rejected by some algorithm that's doing God knows what kind of review automatically. And it is basically instantly rejected. And so if you go on Instagram now, you can, you can immediately find dozens and dozens of Kia Boys accounts with thousands of followers each that have been around for a really, you know, for months, if not years. And that's where it's mostly, it mostly exists now. It's not really on TikTok anymore, to be honest. And I, and I mean, to be perfectly frank, I haven't, I've been reporting on this for the last like 
uh, three, four months. So I don't really know what it was like in 2021. It could have been that it was mainly on TikTok then and they migrated over to Instagram recently. Uh, it also could be that it was on both places and TikTok started moderating it when it became bigger news, which I think is probably likely. Um, you know, but it's like one of these platforms at least appears to be taking this more seriously than the other. And it's not the one that's always getting associated with the trend. Right, because there is the perception in older adults that TikTok is the brain rotting social media platform because everyone else is on Instagram and Facebook and those are the ones that they use. So TikTok must be bad. My kids are on it all day. Yeah. And also TikTok is like, I think it probably first became like famous, famous for like the challenges that proliferated on there, Um, like the pass out challenge, which like first terrorized our boomer adults or whatever. and so like part and and part of the reason TikTok I think is probably so aggressive towards Kia boys moderation now is they have like they have been burned by this before um getting all the negative publicity for like being the place where dumb challenges take off and they have specific rules against this stuff like you don't even you don't even have to be doing anything illegal in these challenges but if the dares are considered like potentially harmful to health or property they're banned And so that's another rule that they have that Instagram doesn't. Can you tell me a little bit more about, I think you've interviewed, how many people have you interviewed that they've had their car stolen? I've like gotten emails or heard stories from uh, probably about 50 ish at this point. I've also been like trolling the, you know, subreddits where this stuff is always talked about for a really long time. Um, and I've like, you know, done in-depth interviews with like about a dozen so far. Okay. What happens? I know we talked about it a little bit, but I, I'm curious about like, do you, do you get your car back? How long does it take to get it fixed? Um, cause apparently like, you know, they're, it, like we said, it's not being sold at a chop shop. It's being joy ridden and then abandoned. Presumably there is a pathway for you to recover your car, right? Yeah. Most people, their cars are recovered. Um, a lot of times very close to their houses, like within a couple of miles. Um, it's pretty, pretty rare. I think for someone to have their car stolen for a Kia boys stunt to never have their car found. Um, the instances where that happens is when I think the Kia boys steal the cars, do their joyriding, have their fun. And then sell it for like 20 bucks to some random dude. And then that person does like, maybe they take it to a chop shop. Maybe they end up living out of it, which I did hear from one person. Like their, their car was essentially turned into like someone's home and completely gar- like trashed to the bone, um, picked apart. And, but that's, that's pretty rare. Most of the time their car is recovered within a couple of days, within a couple of, you know, miles next town over something like that at that point um it depends how extensive the damage is uh one one so like once you get the car back you kind of enter this new vector of aggravation which is the insurance slash dealership slash you know um repair shop world which can has really screwed some people over like a lot. I've talked to a bunch of people who have had a lot of trouble getting timely and accurate estimates for the damage cost. Um, 
Because like as anyone who's had their car, even if it's not stolen, even if you've been in a crash, you know, an appraiser has to come from your insurance company to determine the extent of the damage. And they determine whether the insurance company is going to pay for it to be fixed or consider it a total loss and write you a check for you to go buy a new car with. And what's what's especially kind of troublesome about this trend is um some insurance companies because they've seen cars stolen two three four times in a year period um they just want to they just want to write these cars off even if the damage isn't that extensive and so so just just so that they don't keep keep going in the cycle and their cost and their their uh customer buys a different car um what we've also seen is that um, sometimes the repair shops actually quite commonly, um, the dealerships of the repair shops can't get the replacement parts in a timely fashion. Um, this is because, right, they're all having their ignition, um, they're all having their ignitions ri- ripped open. Like, they're, you know, they're all being stolen in the same way. They're all having the same rear window broken. So it's all the same parts that have to be replaced. It's not like some people are coming in with a busted transmission and other people are coming in, you know, like side panel damage is really common from people, you know, like scraping against walls and alleys and parked cars and stuff. So it's like there's a, there's a parts backlog. So. And uh, if you have comprehensive insurance, which a lot of people don't, I should say, but, but like if even if you do have comprehensive insurance, it usually only pays for like 30 to 45 days of a rental car. And then after that, you're paying out of pocket for a you know replacement vehicle while you wait for the parts to come in or you wait for the shop to be able to actually do the repairs. Another common thing that's happened is uh, <laughs> let me put it this way. If you're a Kia boy and you're looking for Kias to steal. Where do you go to find some Kias? You go to the Kia dealer. Uh, so what's what happens a lot is people have their cars further damaged, broken into, or stolen from the Kia dealer while it's waiting to have its parts taken. And a thing no. about and a thing about dealerships is they don't have the best security systems. I'm learning they're big huge parking lots and like they might have a couple of cameras like on the main building but so like i talked to multiple people even when i wasn't even looking for these anecdotes like they just like like it just came up that like oh yeah and my car was stolen while it was waiting at the dealer and the dealer didn't even know i got a call or a letter from the a letter from you know they get they get notified by the local impound lot that like if they don't come pick up their car within the next week, it's going to be sold off or at an auction. And so like then they call the dealer and it's like, hey, can you check on my car? And they're like, oh, your car's gone. <laughs> so like that's another thing that owners have been dealing with from time to time. Um, yeah, it's just like it's a it's a whole thing. I mean, it's like at minimum costing people a couple grand, sometimes more. Um, to go through this whole thing and that's assuming they get their car back and a lot you know it's not uncommon to then have their car broken into and stolen very soon after getting it back right because if it's if the trend is taking off in your city um it's likely that if your car looks like you know is on the street it's going to be targeted again so um yeah that's what that's what owners are going through that's kind of like the whole rigmarole and uh 
you know, it's re- like it, it sounds like it's really weighing on people. And I totally get why. Like if your car is your main only source of transportation and like every time you park it, you have to have anxiety about whether it's still going to be there when you get back. Um, it's a it's a it's a real nightmare. Yeah. Not all of us live in the public transit paradise of New York City. <laughs> Can't wait to get New York City's data. I know New York is one of the cities suing. So, um, oh, it's really? definitely, yeah, it's definitely a problem here. No question. I mean, like, especially, especially if you go to like Queens and South Brooklyn and stuff, like the public transportation doesn't exist there. I mean, it exists. It exists, but like, you know, it's, it's not extensive. It much more like Southern South, South Brooklyn and Eastern Queens is much more reminiscent of like any, sprawl city in the u.s than it is what people think of with new york city so out there yeah i'm sure it's definitely a thing there i know new york has reported a huge surge in kia hyundai thefts um so it's a it's a thing here too 718 kia boys really really doing their thing (laughs) yeah um and another thing i've noticed and i haven't like totally dug into the data extensively enough to to for this but i have noticed anecdotally that like okay so chicago gets hit then Chicago's numbers start to decline a little bit. And then that's when you notice some of the suburb communities around Chicago, their numbers spike. And, you know, a spike in Kia thefts in the suburbs is still not as significant in num- like, you know, it's not as many cars as like in Chicago. But what I kind of hypothesize is going on is some groups decide they're going to be enterprising and like, you know, go into the suburbs to steal some cars one night, you know, they hit it for about a week and that makes the numbers spike up, you know? Yeah. It's like someone's cousin lives right outside the city. Let's all go over to his house and, you know, have a, have a little, little time. Exactly. Exactly. So (laughs) I would imagine that if you are Kia or Hyundai, this is bad for business. Yeah, I'd think so. (laughs) <laughs> so how are they are are they going to be using engine immobilizers going forward is there anything they can do to prevent the theft of the extant kias yeah so they've they've had a kind of like you know escalating response to this as the as the thing has gone on their first their first move was to be like okay we'll put engine immobilizers in all of our future cars like done you got it. <laughs> um, it turns out that doesn't help with the cars already on the road, though. And just, to, I, I mean, I probably should have said this earlier, to put, but to put a hard number on it, it's about 9 million cars that don't have engine immobilizers on the road. And there are some like 200 some odd million cars in the US. So not a huge overall percentage, but still 9 million is a large number. Um so after that, and and the trend was still taking off, um, and Kia started to get sued, they became a bit more aggressive about their response. And they have kind of, I would say they've offered two main measures for owners of existing cars that are on the road. And, you know, there's nothing they can do about putting an immobilizer in it retroactively. The first is um, they've, many of the cars are are eligible for a software update that um doesn't add an engine engine immobilizer but it kind of mimics what an engine immobilizer does through a workaround i'm not going to get into the whole technical details but like basically if someone tries to steal a car with the software update in the exact same manner uh they can't do it the engine won't start um so it does seem to be effective 
for cars that have the software update. Other thing that they're doing is they have partnered with local police departments around the country to give out free steering wheel locks. You know, the clubs that you probably remember from your childhood. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, owners of the impacted vehicles, I say impacted vehicles, like something happened to them. Nothing's happened to them. They're exactly as they were when they were sold to these people. Um, The owners of the cars that can be easily stolen can go to their local police departments and get a club for free in theory. Now, I've heard from some people that like they go to their local police department and their local police department is like, the fuck are you talking about? Um, There's also a website you can go to. And also like these clubs aren't that expensive. I think they're like a hundred bucks or so. So like a lot of people just bought their own. Um, So those are like the two things basically that Kia and Hyundai are doing. Um, With the software update in particular, I want to highlight kind of two things. One is not all of the vehicles are eligible for the software update, meaning that like they, the work, the the software update doesn't work for them. um, So they can't get it. I think it's somewhere on the order of like 3 million vehicles can't get the software update. So not an insignificant number, like about a third of all of the overall pool of vehicles that can be easily stolen. Um, If you own a car that can't get the software update, you're basically told like, here's a club and good luck. And the thing about clubs are they are they are not that huge of a of a deterrent. Um, Like you can saw through them pretty easily if you have an angle grinder, which you can go buy a portable angle grinder at Home Depot for like 40 or 50 bucks, which I know because I own a bike in New York and angle grinders are how you cut through basically any bike lock in New York in under two minutes. Um, and so it's usually it's usually easier to cut through the wheel crime tips on cyber. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's usually you, you cut through the wheel and then kind of slip it out. Yeah. So there's that too. Um, the wheel is the other cutting. The wheel is the other um, method. Like basically the club is like, it's an effective deterrent. If you're the only par- car in the parking lot with a club, but because these cars are being specifically targeted for a reason, the club doesn't seem to be like that great of a deterrent mechanism because like, okay, so you, you'll just cut the club and then you'll do what you got to do otherwise. Um, so that's what's going on with, you know, Kia's kind of reaction to this. And then like what we talked about with them, just like saying, what else do you expect of us? This is, this is social media's fault. Can I ask a slightly broader picture question that has to do with like right to repair because when you're talking about software update i'm thinking about like the fact that we now you know car owners frequently only can take their cars to the dealership to be repaired because it's either proprietary parts or proprietary software and okay we now know that taking your car to the dealership basically makes it a sitting duck like that that seems like a lot of you know levels of wrong uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not ideal that like taking your car to the dealership gives it a, uh, increased risk of being stolen for sure. Um, the other, the other thing is that while they do put picture, uh, decals on the cars that get the software update that say something like this car has gotten an, like anti theft software installed or something like that. Um, a thing a thing about teenage boys trying to steal cars is that like 
they don't take these decals very seriously. <laughs> it's, it's not, not big sticker readers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially since they're on the driver's side door and or driver's side window. And like, guess which window they don't smash, right? They're not looking at that window. Um, and also, I think they don't believe the stickers because you can buy the stickers on Etsy. Or at least like mimic stickers that mimic them on Etsy. So like they're going to try whether it has a sticker or not, because it's not like if you bust into the car, try to steal it and fail, um, an alarm goes off and like, you know, the car starts flashing and it makes some noise. It's just you can't start the car. So then you leave, you know, it's like no big deal. And so I say no big deal for the for the potential thief. It's a very big deal for the owner of the car. Because you come to your come back to your and I've talked to some people for whom this has happened. It's like they have their car stolen once, they get a software update, and then their car gets broken into a second or third time. It's not stolen because it got the software update, but it's still not drivable because you can't put the key into the ignition s- switch, which has been completely decimated in the act of ripping open the the um steering wheel column. So you still can't start the car. You still can't drive the car. You still have to bring the, you know, get the car towed to a dealership, get it repaired and go through like all of the same motions you would if the car got stolen and then recovered. Aaron Gordon, thank you so much for coming on to cyber and walking us through this. Yeah, of course. Thanks as always for having me on. My microphone was dusty. That's how long I've been. It's been since I was last on here. So damn, it's, it's funny. I was thinking that we need uh, an Aaron specific jingle. I need to find um, like a because there are like discrete jingle houses in the Midwest that I can reach out to uh, and have them construct a jingle for us for when you come on um, that is specifically about you ranting about the suburbs. Something yeah, like this. I was going to say we need a we need a Galt and Aaron do America jingle. Exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll browse jingle punks and see what we can find, you know, open source ish. <laughs> This feels like a thing AI should be able to do. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't like AI. I don't want more AI in my life. But like of all the things, I would think you should be able to plug in like a couple, of, you know, some Mad Lib style pronouns and then and nouns and verbs and then have it just make you a jingle like that feel feels like, like a thing. I feel like that would just for, you know, exactly what you're asking for it would just be like a sad trombone noise.
traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.